Ion 2020 episode 280. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton here. This is your Monday episode of Eye on 2020. I appreciate you joining me for another show, another episode, episode 280. And uh, never thought I'd make it this far, to be honest with you. And somehow this show went from being a show about presidential elections to being about coronavirus, obviously, because that's pretty much the only thing that's in the news right now. It's the only thing that's been in the news for, God, like two months now. And I think we're on like the eighth or seventh week of lockdowns. Um, maybe not quite, because I think it was, no, it's the sixth week, the week, sixth week of lockdowns, because it was around the fifteenth or so of March is when the first lockdown started happening. And then in South Carolina specifically, I think it happened right at the end of March, the last week of March. And then same thing for North Carolina as well. Uh, my kids haven't gone to school in a while. That's probably a good thing, actually. They're probably taught better at home anyway with their own learning. I'm starting to see the value of homeschooling, although I don't know that my wife would ever go for anything like that. Um, but anyway, she's been home with them as well, and she's been the one who's teaching them, and she's about to lose her mind as well. So I could see why she would not go along with that, obviously. Um, I, I totally feel sorry for her that she has to be the one in that situation uh i come home and it's like deer in the headlights this look of just glazed over of i'm done with dealing with these kids bickering and fighting plus i gotta do my own job yes it's wearing on us all this whole lockdown thing and you know what it's starting to wear on the general population as well and that's one of the topics i'm going to be talking about later on today uh, during the show uh, it's starting to wear on the people. About a couple months ago, or probably about a month ago or so, I asked on one of the episodes, where on earth is the tea party at? Well, it seems like they're coming out of their shell, guys. It does. Uh, so that'll be one of the things I'll talk about in a little bit. But the first thing I wanted to talk about with you is a possible new entrance entrant into the uh, presidential race, and that can possibly be Justin Amash. Justin Amash, he is the congressperson from Michigan. He went in as Republican back around 2010 or so. He went in as Republican from Michigan on the Tea Party wave, if you remember that. And he's very much, he's been, he votes very much like a libertarian would in office, right? If, if, He's one of those people, he's kind of like a Mr. No, somebody that would be similar to, say, a Thomas Massey in the way that he votes. He was in the Freedom Caucus, he was in the groups of Congress people that would get together and try to pass rules for fiscal restraint. He was one of those kind of Tea Party Republicans, but he was also, if you listen to him talk... He's very much a libertarian in his views. He understands libertarian principles. He even understands the non-aggression principle. He understands the basics of, you know, 
Austrian economics. I think he might even be well-versed in Austrian economics. The guy is all is is somebody who a lot of libertarians can probably get behind if he decided to jump in to the presidential race as a libertarian. He would have to change his party from independent now because he went from Republican to independent. He'd have to go into the Libertarian Party. We'd have our first libertarian in Congress. That would be great. Um, he might end up running as an independent, though. Who knows? But I know that he's been talking about making an announcement this week of what he was going to do. And the hope and the prayer of a lot of libertarians, and I know this because you see it on a lot of libertarian boards, is that Justin Amash would jump in as a libertarian nominee. As somebody who's going to run against the four or five people, maybe even seven or eight people that are left that are running in the libertarian party right now. Is the Libertarian Party going to have its convention in Texas at the end of May? That's probably up for grabs right now, whether that's going to happen. So how are we going to, as Libertarians, how are they going to? Because I'm not going to be going there. I'm a Libertarian. I'm a member of the Libertarian Party. But I'm not going to be somebody that can actually vote for the presidential nominee because the way that the the way that it's done is by delegates in the certain amount of delegates, I think it's a thousand delegates, go to the convention from the states, and then they get to vote for the nominee for the presidency, for who's going to represent the libertarians for president. And I know that a lot of establishment libertarians would get on board with a Justin Amash. And the reason why is because very much like Gary Johnson, very much like several other candidates that the Libertarian Party has run in the past, he's a congressman or he's somebody who is known known across the nation that can get onto the TV, that can get into the news media, that can get onto Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. He's been on those networks before. He'll get the interviews. He'll get the message out there more so than an unknown Libertarian would. So that's why you'll see the establishment libertarians kind of get behind him. Lincoln Chafee dropped out. But he's somebody that the that that the press would have come to in order to get him to do interviews with them. He would have been able to make the rounds across the 50 states as somebody who was a governor of Rhode Island. But Justin Amash, that's somebody who can do that. Does he harmonize with every single libertarian principle that I have? Probably not. I haven't looked at everything that he that he does. I haven't looked at his full body of work. I haven't heard the criticisms of him to the nth degree yet. But if I look at his general voting record, if I look at the way that he votes for fiscal responsibility at the federal level, for limited government at the federal level, I think that's somebody that I would be able to get behind. He has a record to prove it as well. There are libertarian nominees out there, people that are running for the libertarian nomination that definitely are principled libertarians, but they don't have the same ability to get into the press, most likely, as Justin Amash. So you will see a lot of the establishment get behind Justin Amash. You won't see a lot of the hardcore libertarians get behind him, though. I don't even know that the hardcore libertarians from, like, the the Mises caucus or something. I don't, I'm not sure if they'll get behind him. Um, and the Mises caucus is a group of libertarians that are 
leaning that that follow the teachings of Ludwig von Mises, but also from the Austrian school of economics is what they focus on, and they want to put a more economic principle into the libertarian party. They tend to be conservative leaning libertarians a lot of times, but not always, not always. So that even that group, I don't know that most of them will get behind a Justin Amash right off the bat, but a lot of them probably will if he became the nominee because he is a relatively principled libertarian in a lot of his views. Obviously, when you're up in Congress, when you're making decisions on the fly, when you're making decisions about voting for different things, you're probably going to have situations where you might have to vote a different way than your exact principles are. But I think that if you look at his record, if you were going to grade him on a 100-point scale as a libertarian, you're probably going to find that he's a 97 or a 98. And you could look at his voting record and tell. I mean, someone could talk about it and talk the talk and all that, but are they really going to make the right decisions when it comes down to all the pressure that's applied to you in Congress? A Thomas Massey typically does, from what I've seen. Rand Paul typically does. There's been times that he goes outside of that, though. A Mike Lee from Utah typically does. Justin Mash, Mosh typically, do, typically does. Like, there's a few people up there that typically vote from a very principled libertarian standpoint. And to me, that's a very good thing. That's a very positive thing. That's something that I think would be good for the Libertarian Party to have somebody who is fairly principled, a pretty good speaker as well. Like, the guy understands... The guy understands Libertarian principles. He understands limited government. He even understands a lot of the economic perspective of the Austrian School of Economics. So, you think that he would make good decisions if he became president, which obviously he's not going to. Obviously, he's not going to. He has to be a spokesman for the message. He has to be the spokesman for the Libertarian Party. That will appeal to broad masses. That'll say, you know what? Donald Trump, good guy, possibly, probably not that good of a guy. Making some good decisions, some bad decisions, but he's continued the status quo. Like, you could make that case. There's been things that Donald Trump that has that you could criticize him for highly. And obviously, Justin Amash is not going to be going after that group of people that love Donald Trump, right? So he can criticize that, Donald Trump. And you know what? If you follow his Twitter feed, he has criticized Trump strongly on a lot of issues. He criticized him from... The very beginning, when he dropped out of the Republican Party, he made it a point to criticize Donald Trump, especially on like the the impeachment issue and all that. My feeling on the impeachment issue is I think he, he came out a little too strong on it because I wasn't one who thought that there was like this undisputable evidence that Donald Trump was colluding with the Ukrainians or forcing their hand to do this or the quid pro quo thing that was going on 
I wasn't one that was completely convinced on that. I think he was. I think Justin Amash was. So he was criticizing on that. But there's been multiple times where Justin Amash will come out and openly criticize Donald Trump. And he gets heck, he gets hell from that, from a lot of libertarians that I see, because those people think that Donald Trump is the most libertarian president of all times. From a fiscal standpoint, libertarian, most libertarian of all times, yeah, he cut taxes, but the fact of the matter is, is the national debt has just skyrocketed under Donald Trump just as much as it skyrocketed under Barack Obama and George Bush, of course. Like, he's continued the status quo. The status quo continues under Donald Trump in a lot of ways, even on the war issues. Even on the war issues. Status quo. Yes, he's talked to Kim Jong-un, or Kim, Kim whoever the leader of North Korea is. He talked to him. He rubs elbows with him. But he's accelerated things in Iran. He pulled out of the Iranian deal. Whether it was good or bad, it was definitely better than the previous status quo and is better than what we have now. He had some leverage over Iran at that point. He pulled out of that, ramping up things in Iraq now. Things are going terribly in a lot of those countries. Continued Barack Obama's policy in Yemen. Afghanistan. Like, all of these wars continue. Even though Donald Trump says, you know what, we need to start pulling back. But he cannot make a decisive action on that, guys. It's weird. He says one thing, and then as soon as he says it, his advisors come out publicly and say something different, and Donald Trump goes along with it. So, Justin Amash can definitely criticize Donald Trump for that. Absolutely. But he's been an open critic of Donald Trump. So a lot of libertarians will love that. Like, a lot of libertarians will love that. I think it's great. Yes, I don't agree with him on some of the things that he critiques Donald Trump about, but at least he can criticize the sitting president. In a relatively objective way, also, I thought, too. So, And then, on top of him being a pretty solid libertarian, you know, he definitely would be somebody that a lot of libertarians, I think, would be able to get behind. So... That's Justin Amash. I mean, look him up. If you never heard of him, you probably have heard of him at least. He has He's pretty well known across the country, especially when he came out and became an independent in Congress. That was pretty strong and made headlines big time. Um, I'd love to see him join the Libertarian Party. I, I'm, I'm not going to openly advocate for the guy right now by any means. Um, I'm sure he has his weaknesses. I'm sure he has his challenges. I'm sure he's not pure enough for a lot of people. Whatever. I don't have a purity test. You guys know that. I refuse to have a purity test. If you say you're libertarian, that's great. In my mind, you're libertarian. Yeah, you might have different views, but you know what? In my mind, you haven't gotten to my point yet. And I maybe not have I maybe haven't gotten to your purity of libertarian yet. But don't push me away. And I won't push them away. And you don't push them away either. Because a lot of libertarians push people out of the movement because they're not pure enough. Because they're not... They don't understand 
libertarian principles enough. They're not principled enough. They're not whatever enough. Like, there's so many reasons why libertarians push other libertarians away. But we need to be just embracing them and bring them into the movement. And eventually they all become pretty solid libertarians as they learn the principles, guys. That's what it comes down to. Not all of them. I mean, there's plenty of them out there that are wishy-washy and stay that way. I mean, Gary Johnson's been saying he's libertarian since the 80s and 90s, I guess. And uh, I don't know that he ever really got that into reading about Austrian economics and getting into, like, really solid libertarian principles. I don't know. But yeah, that's that, okay? Um, The other thing, where is the tea party? That was the other point I wanted to make today. I'll make this brief. I didn't want this show to go on too long today. You probably hear some rain in the background, so I probably have bad sound quality anyway. It's pouring down rain in my area right now. So, where is the tea party? They're starting to pop up, guys. They are. I asked this question a month ago when they started to lock down these cities, when they started locking down these states. When the government was started passing laws about spending trillions upon trillions of dollars. I said, where is the tea party? Where are they at? Well, we, we found them. They're starting to come out of the woodwork. You have people in Michigan. You have people in Pennsylvania. We have people even in South Carolina, North Carolina, protesting their state's lockdown measures, protesting their rights being stolen by these governors, by these arbitrary rules that they're setting up, by these rules that are designed to infringe upon your liberty and your freedom of movement, your freedom of religion, your freedom of speech, your freedom of assembly. You're even in California... Your freedom to go buy a gun or buy ammunition. In a crisis, the most important thing is to defend yourself. Especially when the government has said that they're only responding to coronavirus issues. They're not going to be able to respond to every break-in and every burglary and all that stuff. The alarm goes off at my house and the cops never even show up. You have to be able to defend yourself And the state of California says that gun stores are not essential businesses. Gun stores are not essential businesses, but they are. They're constitutionally protected. They are a constitutionally essential business. So we've gone from, we can't even, it's illegal to get out there and protest. It's illegal to get out there and say, this is wrong I'm not going to have it. It's illegal to go to your state rep- or state house and protest. Freedom of assembly. Freedom of petition. It's illegal to get together and do... I mean, you can't go house to house asking for people to sign a petition. You can't even go to your Congress office and try to petition your congressperson. freedom of religion. You can't go to church. It's illegal to go to church in some places. Freedom of speech. Facebook is even shutting people down saying that they're, I've I've heard this and it has not been verified, so I might be just spouting something out, but in New Jersey, a group got together and started a Facebook page that they were going to start And they were just trying to get people to come out to a open up New Jersey rally. 
Facebook shut them down so that they are they are or uh, advertising for an illegal act. So the state makes it illegal to protest. The state says it's illegal to protest, and Facebook says, you know what? That's an illegal act. As the state says, it's illegal. Did the state legislator pass that law? No, that was a mandate from the governors. The governors are issuing executive orders overruling your constitutional rights. It's amazing the amount of infringement upon our liberties liberties that is happening right now. The infringement... This one guy, I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook... And I posted something. He says, well, I haven't noticed anything bad. I'm okay with staying home. I said, yeah, you're okay with staying home. That's great. So am I. I'm good with staying home. I'm good with my family staying home. I'm good with everybody being safe. I am. But tell the person that's a restaurant owner that has 30% of his normal cash flow coming in. Tell that to the car dealership that got shut down. Tell that to every nail salon out there and hair stylist that got shut down. Tell that to every business owner that got shut down. Oh yeah, it's not that big of a deal. It hasn't really affected me. It's affected them to the nth degree. That's the problem. People are not willing to stand up. Nobody's willing to stand up and say this is wrong. But we know this is wrong. We know it's wrong. They've infringed upon our rights. And the Tea Party's standing up now. Not the Tea Party, but there's a movement of people that are starting to realize and starting to wake up and starting to say, you know what, this is wrong. This is too much. We're not willing to take this anymore. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. The one... I was thinking about this earlier today. You have your First Amendment... you You have the Ten Amendments. You have the first... The Bill of Rights. The first Ten Amendments. The Bill of Rights. The Constitution... They're there to protect your rights. Those things were passed because the states knew that the federal government would try to trample on them. The states knew that if given the power, political leaders will try to take away those rights. Every state has has to have the same general concept of protecting those rights as well. They've been fought for. People have spilled their blood to protect those things. And the federal government and the state governments and the local governments will continue to try to trample on those rights unless we say no. Every chance they get, they're going to pull a little bit closer towards tyranny. They're going to pull a little bit closer. It might take 10 years. It might take 20 years. It might take 100 years. But the little bit more tugging they can do to erase those rights, to trample on those rights, to lock down on those rights, to make it so that you don't have that right, they will continue to do it as much as they can, little by little, until they're not in existence anymore, until they're not there, until one day you're talking to Grandpa... And he's like, yeah, I remember the days when we could actually go out in public without our papers. I remember the days when we can go to concerts. They shut down those. I remember the days where we can gather in groups and have protests at the 
will be remembered those days unless we decide now to stop it. How do we do that? How do we do that? The only way to really do it is to continuously protest against the infringement upon these rights every single time they try to. And this is a defining moment right now where they're trying to take away those rights. They're setting a game plan. This is the, and I'm not having a conspiracy theory by any means, but the precedent's been set. Public health crisis, we can shut down everything, we can stop the world. Public health crisis. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. It's always to protect the people. The Nazis did what they did. Murdering millions of Jews. And the entire view was, we're trying to protect our people. We're trying to protect the Germans. That is the rationale that, that leaders have. Protect the people. Not saying that they're in, we're in Nazi Germany by any means. I'm saying that you don't go to Nazi Germany in one step. It happens slowly over time. Over 20 years. Over 20 years. You have a Hitler that rises up in 20, 1922. Over slowly over time, people's minds change towards a more nationalistic view. His view, his, his ideas sound great to the people. He didn't start murdering Jews in 1933. Probably didn't even happen in 1934. You start seeing it happen where they start to push people out of the country. You start seeing this slow progression of shutting the, down Jewish businesses, pushing Jewish people out, and so forth. There was, over time, it happened, a progression. By 1945... 1944, I think, is when they started really having the death camps and just sending them there to be, a, to be murdered. 1943, 1942, you start having all these, you know, concentration camps and so forth. But it was like 1938, 1939 was when the concentration camps started happening. Very small ones at first, and then gradually more and more people went to those concentration camps. Same thing with the gulags of Russia. It didn't happen over time. Over night Rome was not built in a day guys and rights are not taken away in a day so keep that in mind we need to fight for those rights and that's what that's all I got for you today that's it fight for your rights fight for your right to party that's what uh, the Beastie Boys said maybe we'll write a song fight for your rights in general (laughs) but yeah uh, I appreciate those that continue to listen. This is your Monday show. I'll be back on Thursday as well. Uh, if you want to follow me, IonTheEmpire.com. IonTheEmpire on Facebook and on Twitter as well. I've been posting a lot there lately. And uh, Ray at IonTheEmpire.com is how you can email me. But you can also message me through Facebook as well uh, by going to the I on the Empire uh, Facebook page. And, uh, oh, if you're listening and you're listening on Apple Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating and review. That helps me to be seen when people do, you know, searches for libertarian shows as well. Um, That'd be great. And uh, the best thing you could do, though, is come back on Thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020.